Kate LeBlanc. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Hi, I'm Leah Crowley. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kate LeBlanc. And I'm Leah Crowley. <laughs> and this is Our Five Cents. A podcast brought to you by the University of Rhode Island student newspaper, The Good Five Cent Cigar. This is your walk to class. All the news you need to know in the time it'll take you to walk from Katie to Swan. One last time. One last time. <laughs> For the semester. We'll be back in the spring. Yeah. Don't worry, our five listeners. This is our season one finale, guys, so... Stick with it. Big pizzazz coming up. Sorry, it's so cold in here. It's okay. (laughs) To everyone listening, we're recording in like a 35 degree room. Yeah, we record in this one room so as not to bother people, and it's 30 degrees out today, and this room is not heated. So, what we do for the podcast. What we do for the podcast. I'm sitting here in a winter coat. I have a hoodie on, but don't worry, guys, I'm gonna make it. (laughs) (laughs) So, with that, we're gonna start off with Twitter. Should I start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> this one's kind of funny. The tree in... God damn it, that was... <laughs> was that, that was yours? Mine, yeah. No. Okay, so the tree... I'm going to do it anyways because okay. I don't have a backup. Uh, <laughs> maybe we can share it. Yeah, let's no, share it. We'll All right, share it. we'll, we'll share, share this one. The tree in Rockefeller Center arrived in New York City today, and it is so 2020. Yeah. It's hideous. I guess I saw... I didn't feel that strongly about it. Really? I felt very strongly. I saw a picture of it before it was cut down, and it was gorgeous, and then I saw a picture of it in Rockefeller Center, and it was a disaster. I would just like to read this tweet that says, Charlie Brown, I have the saddest Christmas tree. Rockefeller Center, hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of Charlie Brown references being made to this tree. Honestly, the Charlie Brown tree was cuter. It was said. We're serving up some (laughs) hot takes on the podcast today, guys. (laughs) You know what? It might look sparse, but it's representative of the times, and for that, I like it. Do you think they'll keep it, or do you think they'll get a new one? Oh, I... I didn't know getting a new one was an option. <laughs> I, I don't mean, either. I think they'll keep it. Like, I think it's cute. Like, leave the Rockefeller Christmas tree alone. He's doing his best. <laughs> Hashtag leave the Rockefeller Christmas tree alone. <laughs> He's trying just like yeah. the rest of us. You know what? I like it. On 2020's behalf, I guess we can keep it. Dare I say it's the best Christmas tree Rockefeller Center has ever had. That's insane. <laughs> don't say that. Should we move on to yes, the next? Yes, please. I have some very interesting news I think that has just come out that's on Twitter which is that Pfizer has just released a new vaccine that is ready to be distributed well almost ready to be distributed for public use and it is um 90% effective or over 90% somewhere around there and they are rolling it out in Rhode Island, Texas, New Mexico, and Tennessee for their immunization pilot program for COVID-19. Very interesting that Rhode Island was chosen. It'll be interesting also to see if the university somehow uses it in the spring semester, whether students are going to be vaccinated, but the vaccine is coming to Rhode Island first. So there's that. If you listened last week, check out last week's episode. We talked a little bit about... Wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, check it out everywhere. We talked a little bit about Adams and Gary, one of our reporters, wrote a story talking to the director of health services, Ellen Reynolds, about how they're going to handle a vaccine and vaccine distribution at URI. And like I said last week, it's going to be crazy. It has to be stored at such a cold temperature. They're going to have to build facilities for that. It's going to be an interesting spring, that's for sure. We'll see. Maybe Adam will write another article on it and we'll find out later. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Okay, so another Twitter trend right now that is COVID-related that I'm going to talk about is that mouthwash has recently been found to kill COVID bacteria in the mouth. 
I saw that, actually. Isn't that interesting? So, I read somewhere that it's, like, within the first 30 seconds. Like, what are the odds of that? But still, it could be used to treat it later on. And they're conducting a clinical trial in early 2021 to determine how effective it is. And maybe that will be used in the future. I don't know. But it's interesting. The answer was in mouthwash this whole time. Who would have thought, right? right? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and what mouthwash comes to be in our society next year. With that, we shall move on to these stories for the week. Let's talk stories. Do you know about Bagel Tuesday? No. Let me tell you about it. Panera. Yeah. Every bagel, every Tuesday, every Tuesday, you can get 13 bagels for $6.99. What? Isn't that insane? Why? Why? I don't know, but it worked. 13 bagels for $6.99. 13 bagels for $6.99. And we ordered We're not sponsored by Panera. Not sponsored by Panera. It was, and I had a bagel before I came here and it was amazing. Just get on the Bagel Tuesday wave, you know? Our listeners are benefiting from listening to this podcast, <laughs> for sure. Stay away from romaine lettuce and buy bagels. Bagel Tuesday, guys. Would you like to go I would first? love to go first. Okay, take okay. it away. So the story I'm going to talk about this week was written by one of our staff reporters, Amani Fleming. She wrote a story about Greek Life's Philanthropy Week that took place last week, and I wanted to highlight it because they raised a lot of money for various good causes. Ultimately, they raised... They were so close, they got $39,900. <gasps> it was different this year because they normally put all that money towards one philanthropy cause, but they split it up between, like every chapter was paired with another chapter. So they had a bunch of different charities and then they divided the donations between them all. And they were really excited about it because obviously in these times, there's a lot of nonprofits and charities that are struggling as everyone's kind of struggling financially in this weird limbo. It was, they were really excited that they were able to do that. So they hosted events throughout the week and fundraised and it was just a great read that really makes you, you know, believe in community and charity's great. I should say also their original goal was $10,000 and they almost quadrupled that. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. they definitely did. Because they normally raise a ton of money but they weren't sure what to expect with everything being virtual. Some of the charities that they donated to included the Tomorrow Fund, the American Humane Society, the Red Cross, Crossroads Family Shelter, amongst others, but those were just a few to highlight. And yeah, it took place November 9th to 13th. Good on the Greek Life community. Yeah, awesome. Good read. Thank you, Imani. I am going to be talking about a story that Nicole Wagner is doing this week for the newscast that focuses on COVID-19 and sort of the positivity rates in the area, you know, looking ahead, just what's going on, kind of like a COVID update, what you need to know. But when I was talking to Nicole about this story, I ended up Googling Narragansett positivity rates as well as just rates within the state and I thought it was very interesting and worthy of sharing for the podcast. Definitely. According to Rhode Island's Department of Health and the information is updated weekly on Wednesdays, it's definitely shocking to say the least. The It has the, a list of all the, you know, um, cities and towns in Rhode Island and it goes into the sort of estimated population, total number of people tested, the percent of the population tested, the number of people who tested positive, and the percent of people who tested positive out of those who were tested. So the percent positivity rate, which is exactly what URI does with our COVID tracker too. I was shocked. The number one city or town, the worst if you will, COVID-wise, is Central Falls, 
49% of the population has been tested and their percent of people who tested positive is 24%. That is whopping. That is huge. Yeah. And obviously not not good at all. I'm I'm sure their public schools are online by now, but I can't even imagine if yeah. they're not. The towns and cities below it include Pawtucket, Providence, North Providence, Johnson, Cranston, East Providence, Woonsocket, and then Narragansett. And those rates are all well above 5%. Going down this list, a lot of them, majority of them, are 5% or more. Pawtucket is 15% positive test rate, same as Providence. Narragansett's positive Narragansett's positivity rate is 9%, with 32% of the population being tested. I don't know whether this shows that URI students don't actually have as much of an effect on the community as we thought, considering URI's positive test rate is much lower and more students have access to testing and are being tested. I don't know how that information factors in together, but it's definitely, I think the situation will only be exasperated most likely after Thanksgiving and the holidays. So it'll be interesting to see how Governor Raimondo responds, because I know a lot of students are also planning on coming back after Thanksgiving. It'll definitely be interesting to see what happens, if it gets worse, if it gets better, if Governor Raimondo will do anything else to get a handle on this situation in Rhode Island. We're also not considered, I don't think, a, like a real hot zone either. So it also just goes to show how bad it is right now in other parts of the country. Also, it kind of ties into indirectly, but I know a lot of people that are coming back after Thanksgiving are a little concerned, like, am I going to be able to be tested regularly? Because no students are actually going to be on the Kingston campus, so is URI still going to be offering the testing options they are right now? Obviously, a lot of the testing data from URI students comes from getting tested at URI itself. I think that could be a challenge for students coming back in November into December. But I agree, and I think Nicole will talk a lot about this in her newscast story and her print piece about how it's not necessarily college students, it's the bigger community and I don't know what's happening. Maybe it's the public schools. I don't know. Despite the fact that college students were thrown under the bus by the governor earlier. Exactly. And maybe it was because of college students earlier. But yeah. I think at this point, it's more of a community-wide situation. Exactly. I'm interested to see what she says in her story about where this is coming from because I know she talked to the people from the Rhode Island Department of Health and that's going to be interesting to see what they say based upon the statistics and the discrepancies between URI and the Narragansett community. Since we are now talking about COVID-19, we will read off the stats from URI's COVID-19 tracker like we do every week. So this week's testing data is from November 10th to November 16th. There were 6,238 tests administered for 99 positive cases and a 1.59 positive test rate. It's interesting that they're now including decimal points. I was going to say, they never yeah, did they that didn't before. do that before. There are 328 people in isolation or quarantine, 165 students in university isolation or quarantine, 28.45% of the university isolation quarantine beds are occupied. holidays or wherever you're spending your holidays whatever you're doing be safe and 
ideas, comments, suggestions, anything you want to see from us, reach out to us at uricigar at gmail.com. And we can't wait to come back in February. Bye. Bye, Lou's parents. <laughs>